Welcome to Evolutionary Exchanges, a podcast from Evolution Partners, which dives deeper into the lives of our team and guests. Our goal is to go beyond what you can find online and to introduce you to our firm and some of the issues that we're helping to address. You'll hear about some of the extraordinary work they're involved with, as well as gaining insight into who they are. Welcome to another episode of Evolutionary Exchanges. My name's Emily and I'll be hosting today's episode. I'm delighted to be joined by Alexandra Murray-Taken, a consultant here at Evolution Partners, and by Kiki Power, one of Evolution Partners' 2020 analysts, who is now working as an associate at Ernest & Young. In honour of International Women's Day, we wanted to chat to some past and current members of the Evolution Partners team about their experiences as women in the financial consulting industry and in surrounding industries. In this episode, we discuss our individual trajectories as women starting out in their careers, sharing experiences that range from accounting exams to Reese Witherspoon. We hope you enjoy. To get started, Kiki, could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how your internship at Evolution Partners had a part to play in your journey? Yes, of course. So um, I'm now working at Ernst Young. I'm in my first year and I'm in the um, grad program doing accountancy in their assurance uh, service line, so which is one of EY's main service lines. And um, I'm only six months in, but still, so still really um, just uh, f- finding my feet, but um, having a really good time. And um, it's very, very different to what I was doing at Evolution Partners. So it's actually really nice to be back on the podcast because the podcast was really one of my main projects when I was doing my internship. It was one of it was one of the main ways in which David and I spoke about um, expanding the sort of global platform um, of the firm in a more creative way and um, getting to know the different partners and potentially in the future um, talking with different people from outside the firm. So it's quite strange actually to be now doing this because obviously that is me. Um, so. Yes, very different to what I'm doing now. I'm now doing much more analytical work um, and I'm working in larger teams and I'm, you know, doing, well, very typical year-end audits and um, interim audits. So um, very, very different sort of work to what you might do in a boutique consultancy. But I think that it actually was very, very helpful for me uh, in terms of having those contrasting experiences of working in a much smaller firm and at the time at which I was at university I did lots of smaller things which helped me kind of figure out what I wanted to do and so working in a boutique firm where you can really f- find your own feet by actually choosing what you want to do so um, I had a lot of freedom of choice of like what I wanted to take part in and experience during my two-month internship so um, it's all been it's all been incredibly useful um, what's really helped me I think the most though is um, the amount of responsibility but also creative freedom that I was given during my internship and one of the main ways um, in which I exercised that was with this podcast but also the um, encouragement to write thought leadership and to really explore what I was interested in has been incredibly important to me now because it's made me realize that you really can um, bring what you want to to your career whether it be in a large firm or in a small boutique consulting firm which is definitely growing so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm at at the moment, and um, and how it's all how the how the internship really helped me get here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the podcast is a great legacy to have. And did you find anything that you didn't know you were interested in before while you were interning for Evolution Partners? 
anything that you've carried on since? Yeah, no, of course. I think what I really um, discovered was that um, I think when you're going into a career, um, especially when you've been through a pandemic, you, you, you've really come out of the other end, um, not just as the way that the consumer has spent changed and the way that we work differed, but also I think it's had a big impact on the way in which businesses are structured and this kind of like flat hierarchy has really changed. And I think working Evolution Partners definitely towards the end of my summer um, really kind of made it clear to me that you don't need to be working somewhere where where somebody above you per se has all has all the um has all the freedom of choice to do what they want to do and actually everyone's voice is is equally loud and should be equally loud and I think one of the main takeaways from my internship was that um working with David and Eric and everybody else um in the team really proved to me that you, you all your voices are, should be equally heard and um and all your opinions and thoughts and creative ideas are very, very valid. So I think that's been one of the biggest takeaways for me. Um, and I think I think whether or not that, that is present in one's day-to-day career, and, and it very much is for me at EY, but I know for some people it isn't, having that creative choice and freedom is really important. And if it isn't there, you can definitely bring it and inspire others to have it. So um hopefully that answers your question I realize I went on a little bit of a tangent but but yeah no definitely one of the biggest takeaways and why I'm so fond of the firm um because it is very much a bubble um and and a big I would like to think of it as a big brain and everyone is playing their own little part in kind of contributing to the functioning of the brain (laughs) yeah no I would I completely agree I mean for me anyway I found that the flat hierarchy of a boutique firm like Evolution Partners was definitely meant that you really can make a difference and we're recording this podcast in honor of International Women's Day and so on that have you found that your experience in a boutique firm helped you as a woman entering this kind of business I mean I know you did music at university which isn't necessarily um, a prescribed path into finance so how do you think this was maybe a good stepping stone for you as a woman or not at all? No, that's a really interesting question. I think also the first thing that springs to mind for me is um, actually uh, this might be like a strange way to get to the point of the question, but one of the things I studied at music and my music degree was um, um, electro music and feminism. And the reason that is relevant is that um, electro music and sort of technology are is is a male domain, and um, finance is also historically a male domain. And so coming from a music degree, which is creative um, and especially as a singer um, and a performer, which was all about wearing a, wearing a nice big dress, um, really putting on your makeup and performing and pleasing people um, and having that sort of aesthetic role um, to going into a finance role where you're using a the other side of your brain. For me, the mathematical side of my brain, which had been slightly dormant for a while, having done an artistic degree. Um, has really shown me that there is so much possibility um, and you can do really without sounding corny you really can do anything you set your mind to and I think for me the biggest um, demonstration of that is having done all these really difficult exams um, to become an accountant Um, but working in a boutique firm I think the biggest thing that hit me was that your your experiences not just as a musician but also as a woman are incredibly valid and not just valid they're incredibly important 
um, and actually um, with, uh, without I'm not sort of trying to play into the stereotype of women being more attuned to creative things than mathematical because that's absolutely not true but I do think that if if what you can bring to the table not just as a, a woman but as a person is your creativity then you should absolutely use it and so for me it was really bringing this podcast um, to fruition that was what I wanted to do and and it wasn't perhaps um, doing what you guys are doing now, which perhaps might be much more analytical and um, numbers based, but it was what I wanted to bring. And it was very valued and celebrated by the rest of the team. And I think that that is, that is just a very, very good example. And probably just one example of how the firm is welcoming to all sorts of different ideas and celebrating them more than anything. Um, And I think that this goes beyond being just a woman, um, but actually being diverse and ultimately I think for me that's what International Women's Day is all about is not just celebrating women but diversity and and how and how we can add value to each other's lives and to our careers. Completely agree I mean Alexandra what are your experiences in this so how do you think your experience as a woman has been perhaps enhanced by working for Evolution Partners? Um, well, I think just something we'll touch on is we, we've all come from, I guess, um, untraditional background of kind of my entry into uh, the consulting world, especially the financial consulting world, which I think is um, very cool and has, I, I don't want to say we don't overlook it. Um, for instance, I think it's something super valuable um, just because I think the pipeline to getting into finance is also very male dominated in that the boys do economics, um, you know, and the boys do the finance degrees and the girls are pushed to doing something more creative, but at the same time, harnessing that creative potential and then looking at that, um, looking through that lens, the feeders are often maths, economics, business, um, or some sort of financial studies. Uh, and often that is very male dominated. The statistics are there to show. Um, but I also think that something that is widely undervalued and why women even though they didn't don't necessarily take the traditional ladder up into these jobs, um, I think the value of them being within the industry comes actually from the way that they view things very differently. So exactly what Kiki just mentioned, the overlap of kind of feminism in electric music, how women are widely underrepresented, but can bring very different angles um, and viewpoints in and actually create in terms of what we do with strategic transformation can bring um, alternate strategies that aren't necessarily thought of previously. So as a kind of a new consultant to Evolution Partners, um, I've been here for just under a month. <laughs> so very new start, something that I've already appreciated about, I guess, the managerial team as a whole, Demetrios, David, is how much um, leeway they give you and freedom of expression they give you to take whatever you're doing, where it's marketing, where it's any of the comms, where it's the operational aspects, and um, they allow you to put your creative touch on it. And um, they'll never push back to an idea you know, you'll always explore different avenues that you can go in. I think they give, um, I guess, us as women opportunities that I guess would be over, that would be typically potentially overlooked um, or be handed off to someone with more experience. Uh, David really values our input. And that's something I really uh, enjoy about working with Evolution Partners. I agree with that wholeheartedly as well. I definitely feel like also as a very new consultant, even though I've had not as much experience as many others and I did a degree in English so again like music like another humanities subject something that doesn't lend itself explicitly to consulting financial consulting anyway I felt like I've definitely been given a voice in the time I've been here 
and been able to implement things that I'm not sure. I mean, this is something that we can discuss with you, Kiki. I feel like in a larger firm, you might not get that exposure maybe to clients. So early on in your career, the opportunity to make packs and really take control. But there are other, there are definitely benefits of working for a larger firm. No, of course. I think, I think um, what really hits me um, about the difference in working in a small, in a small boutique to a large firm is that um, I think, I think Ernst & Young have really hit the nail on the head with diversity. Um, they, they, I think, you know, when diversity is working because it's not an issue and people aren't talking about the need for it um, like as if it's a pressing crisis and I think that so many other firms are still trying to achieve that um, um, or at least I think everyone's definitely on the right path to achieving it and I and I don't think that um, that Ertson Younger um, I don't I think there's still a long way to go in every firm and I think that that is going to be the case for a long time and I think that's also the case at um, Evolution Partners but in a positive way and I think what really um, what I think is the positive takeaway from that. And that's really what I'm trying to get at is that when you're working in a small boutique firm, you are hiring people because of what they can add and not because they fulfill a quota. Um, and, th- and I think that is very much the case uh, for me now at St. Young. I definitely feel very celebrated. And I think that my background, not just as a woman, but as a musician has been incredibly celebrated. Um, and I love speaking to clients because I get to have that communication angle that I really enjoy um, and that, that I really value as part, as part of my day-to-day job. Um, but I think when you're working in a small boutique firm, the question as to what you can add because you're a woman, it, it just isn't there and it's just not important either. I think what's valued is what you're going to do during the day on, on the job. And um, it's it's so much more than a job um, and it's so much more than a firm evolution partners. I really get the impression that it's, um, again, without sounding corny, I don't know why I have to preface so many of the things I say with that, but I think I am very passionate about the firm and I think it is it has this family structure to it. And I really think, um, I mean, David definitely looks at the firm like it's, like it's his, it's his baby, you know, like he's really brought it up from the ground and everyone who's in the family per se is is doing their part and is fulfilling their function and if we're on the vein of talking about families um the the woman in a family um has been subject to so many so many parameters um historically and yes we're we're shifting those now um but i think there is something to say for the fact that that I can't, I, I'm afraid I can't give you the exact sources of this information, <laughs> but there are scientific studies that the female brain is typically more empathetic or has more, more of an ability to manifest empathy than the male brain. And, and I, I'm going to go and do some more reading on this and I really encourage everyone to do this as well. And I think it's all about harnessing what you can bring. And so um, that's what I'm trying to add really to this point is that when you're working in a, in a firm that really has that sort of family structure, everyone's doing their part. And if if yours is being creative, then you absolutely must add that. For me, I'm a very, um, I would say what I bring to a team is I'm I'm very empathetic and I really like to bring out the best in people. Um, and I'm sure many other people would say that, but it's something I really strive to do. And so that's perhaps something that is innate in me as, as a woman. And I don't know if perhaps 
that that this isn't the case for everyone. But I definitely would say that you know you need to harness your you need to harness your power as a woman and, and as a musician and and as an English student, I'm sure you're very attuned to the way in which language is is used and especially working one on one with clients, you must really feel that the effects of that. So I'm sorry, I, I've completely tangented from your question, but I think it's I think it's really interesting to consider how we can all add um, in our own ways and backgrounds. No, you're right. It, it is really it is really interesting. In our thought leadership piece for March, we included some facts from a study from Bain, which discussed how women have uniquely female strengths in the consulting workplace including exactly what you said. They tend to be more empathetic. They are better at consensus building. And they have, of course, a unique point of view. I think, sorry to interrupt you, but like, honestly, just bouncing off that from what I've been studying um, as an accountant in one of my recent modules, um, an exam I have coming up, studying um, the difference in in countries that adopt different types of attitudes to, to how they run. And when I was reading this, I was very shocked. I was like, this is so sexist. But actually, come to think of it, 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 make, it does make a lot of sense. And um, I don't think this is entirely true because I think women are very good at making decisions. <laughs> but um, there's this, there was this study of, of how different countries adopt a feminine approach and adopt a masculine approach. And countries which adopt a feminine approach to how they are run are more attuned to encompassing everyone's point of view, to being more diverse and actually on a whole more fulfilling. Um, and I can find I can find you the sources for this. Uh, so you can add them onto the end of the podcast if you like. Um, and then countries which are more masculine tend to be more hard in their terms of structure um, and more hardline when it comes to decision making. Um, now, the reason I want to preface that with, I don't think that's entirely true is because I don't know if you guys um, have seen... Um, I think it's Reese Witherspoon talking about this in one of her speeches when she won an award, but she was talking about, um, and this is slightly beside the point, but I think it, I think this is just a great point to include because I think it, it says a lot about women as, and, and how important they are when it comes to working within a team. But she says, um, whenever, you know, so many films in which there's a crisis and the women will go, oh no, what do we do? But really in what situation would you know a woman to, to, to say that? Um, in fact, actually, when you're in trouble as a child, um, your mother tends to point you in the direction of another woman. And I think, sorry, Alexandra, I think you might have something to add to that. Definitely on this note, I think it's one of those things where, you know, not not to make it too cringy, uh, <laughs> but in terms of the way that evolution is evolving, is this understanding that women do have like very unique set of capabilities that COVID is also exemplified in that women, their higher EQ combined with their equally competitive IQ is actually making them better managers. So it's interesting that you talk about this notion of kind of a feminine state versus a masculine state, because it's like, do you think that we will naturally evolve Mm. into having like increasing amounts of empathy when we come, when it comes to management, so management of like a state, management of a company, because we have evolved in a way where I guess we have heightened technology, we've just advanced as society, really. Do you think the adoption of empathy, the adoption of kind of understanding that we don't, we can't just think kind of in one linear way, we need to understand kind of a greater variety of situations. Do you think that is going to become more of a norm? Um, Kind of 
And do you think that will help bolster women? So these statistics that are coming out with Bain, you know, with women making better managers, because I kind of see that progression of us evolving in the right direction, kind of with females, um, I guess, decision making uh, being kind of more all inclusive. No, I think I think that's so interesting. And I'm, I'm really excited to read this thought leadership that you guys are bringing out um, with these statistics, especially because I've been struggling to find them. Um, but I think I think that's such an interesting point. And I think it would be really interesting to see how companies and firms, not just large firms, but smaller boutiques um, reach their goals and their visions to have more all encompassing management boards and and I think it will it will have a big impact on the way that companies are run I for I for one have always found that um, the teams in which there are really influential women in the team have not just been inspiring to the women but also to the men because it it has just broken this stereotype that our parameters are, are more attuned and accustomed in terms of our empathy and, and not our decision making. And I think this point about Reese Witherspoon, um, just to bring back to my idol, um, that w- women are incredible when it comes to crisis situations because we don't just put ourselves, we don't just put the person first who um, is coming to you with a crisis, but actually we are very rational. And I think that this is something that talking about leaders, and I I think I would just like to drop in, for example, the the horrible way in which the press talk about Theresa May as a hysterical woman, when she was going through so many difficult, difficult challenges running, running the country. And the press would just highlight pictures in which she looks like she's about to break into tears. When, when frankly it's 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 very difficult to run a country and if and if you're about to break into tears you should you should absolutely just break into tears but there's this hard line approach that we have to fulfill an image of somebody who is typically and i i'm using you can't see me if you're listening to this podcast but i'm using you know inverse quotes here masculine and being hardline and not and not showing these emotions and i think actually a good leader um, and somebody who will make a good leader in a management team or running a country or even in a small like sports team is somebody who shows that they bring they bring emotion and passion to the table. And I don't think that these should be sidelined, whether or not you're working um, as an actor or you're working within a company. And I think it's incredibly important. So I think that's just something I think is incredibly important to add on. Um, and... And I think that passion really makes for a for a for a fun team and a fun career. And that's definitely something that I found when I was working my internship. I had a lot of laughs, and it's it's supposed to be life is supposed to be fun. And I think if you're all trying to fit fit into a certain parameter of how you're supposed to act as a man, woman, musician, mathematician, then um, then we're not going to progress anywhere. So sorry, that was a, it was a bit of a roller coaster of a point there, but. No, but- <laughs> That's a fantastic point because we, you know, we did kind of loop back and Emily and I discussed a lot the notion of glass ceilings. It's, you know, we, why do we have this term that not only acknowledges the fact that we have a very obvious kind of systematic gender bias issue that actively discriminates, but why is it that women always have to smash through it? Why can't we kind of pave the alternate routes? You know, why can't we normalize people not coming from the typical, I guess we can call it pale male stale background of the, the, I guess, the feeders into governance, into finance, into so much of what we know. 
why don't we normalize the alternate route to getting there so that we can start to make those highways into greater representation and diversity, which in itself has directly proven to be increasingly more profitable for a company and also for governance in terms of like the state government. Um, so with that in, in mind, Emily, do you want to kind of take us away with this or divert back to you? I completely agree with with all of this and what we've we've discussed in the thought leadership piece about paving alternative paths for women. And Kiki, what you said about Theresa May, I think is a really interesting example because what we've thought a lot about this week and always as women is how women who are under the spotlight, for example, Theresa May, and there's actually a, a documentary or a dramatization coming out about Theranos with Elizabeth Holmes. And it's women in power feeling as if they need to, obviously, Elizabeth Holmes, Theresa May, very different examples of women in power. They're both examples of women who have felt compelled due to their their position high up in a hierarchy that is in many ways unfriendly to women. They both have to take on male, quote unquote, characteristics so lowering their voices there's speculation that Elizabeth Holmes made herself look slightly disheveled disheveled enough to not be threatening to investors but blonde and pretty enough to be alluring in some way so it's quite interesting talking about these masculine and feminine traits well that's sorry to interrupt but that's exactly the the argument that people have around Maggie Thatcher as a, as a leader and there's well, was she really a feminist or did she just incorporate masculine behaviours into her leadership? And I think it's an interesting discussion to be had around the binary. And this is what you were talking about earlier. So the masculine and the feminine way of, for instance, running a country. Part of what we're doing with, with every International Women's Day that rolls around is like, how do we begin to blur these binaries and say, well, women can have masculine traits, but also it's useful for men to have more feminine, quote unquote, traits. And it shouldn't be that women are capitalizing on the the feminine traits that they have and men are capitalizing on the the male traits that they have and we work as kind of a union and together we make a perfect puzzle piece it's more people especially leaders should be exhibiting these traits that are present in both in in both and, and all genders that all of these these qualities have a part to play and that we should all be kind of whole whole people I just have one final thing to add on to the end and um, I'm burning to say it because I think that it's really we're in such an interesting and exciting time especially in well just kind of breaking out into the post-pandemic world and obviously the pandemic was a massive humanitarian crisis and um, a very sad thing to have occurred in, in, in that regard but I think in many ways I'm grateful for the shifts that it's brought not just in, in, in terms of um, in terms of working from home that's really one minor minor shift I really have to say I think it's the it's the emphasis that it's placed on on social structure and and social interactions not we haven't just seen this with George Floyd but we've everything that has happened in terms of in within society has been blown up and I'm really grateful for that because I don't think that if we were all going on with our busy lives commuting to the office a woman um, dying on her way home from school wouldn't have blown up in the way it would have. And I think that, um, and, and I rest in peace to those women, but they've really brought, they've really brought the spotlight back onto what is important. And the way in which we're talking to each other about these issues is, is more intense and more exciting than ever. And I think that actually having these conversations is really what's going to make people look forward into how we can change the way in which we we work the way in which we support each other 
um, not just um, women supporting women and men supporting women, but women supporting men. And as you were just saying, men incorporating, um, again, air quotes here, but, you know, feminine traits into the way that they manage and and showing empathy and um, the way in which, which men are speaking more about their mental health issues is incredibly important. And I think that companies that demonstrate that this is not only important to them, but that they're actually taking part in um, in, in these matters are the ones that are really succeeding because they have this happy environment and an environment which is suscept- which is um, able to take these hits when they come. And these hits will come. There will be moments where people aren't valued as much as they should be. There, there are going to be moments where people's voices aren't as loud as they should be. And firms that can can help amplify these voices and address these issues well and quickly and efficiently are the ones that are going to succeed and be and provide fulfilling careers for people. And I really think that um, Evolution Partners is holding a spotlight here for for other for other boutique firms and for other companies, frankly, and organisations. And um, and so I'm really excited to see where it goes. And it's it's really exciting to speak to the um, to the current female representation. Yeah, um, that is a really lovely way to end it. Um, because unfortunately we run out of time. I feel like we could talk about this for an entire day. Yeah, um, day. <laughs> we, we have a long way to go with feminism and, and diversity, but every step is definitely one in the right direction, I think, in every conversation, day. hopefully, <laughs> you know, set, sets off some sort of chain reaction or butterfly effect somewhere. Definitely, definitely. I'm sure. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us, Kiki. It was so lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me. And it's great to be back in dialogue with the firm. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening and looking forward to seeing you again on Evolutionary Exchanges.